Hello, you're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Mason, and I'm back with Corey. This is Habs Nightly, and we are joined today with a very special guest, Matt Stats Guy from the Hockey Podcast Network and his own podcast on our network. Say hello, Matt. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no worries. Um, we've been in contact for a while now after our last episode. We said we wanted to talk to Matt because, you know, he runs the Ice Analytics podcast and we were, you know, bumbling around trying to talk about analytics and we realized, you know, who better to come on and kind of educate us than Matt. So we're really lucky and happy to have you on. Don't set the bar too high for me. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. I also love that every time like I hear an episode with Matt being on it, no one says his last name and it's, it's rather easy. It's always Matt, the stats guy. And I'm just like, you know, there's some guys on here that have like ridiculously hard last names. And this guy is like, he's got a really flowing last name and no one utilizes it, but it's just, I guess that's just something I've caught on to, but uh, I'm super excited. Um, you know, before we started this, uh, I told Matt, because it's probably the first time we've really ever talked, um, that I feel really simple when it comes to listening to his content, but I'm happy to learn something new today, and I'm just really excited, boys. I am too. Again, thanks for having me on. This is going to be uh, this is gonna be a good one. All right. So. Okay, so let's just jump right into it. Um, The reason our initial conversation when we were, you know, kind of trying to get this set up and me and vendors are trying to figure out, you know, and we just couldn't, we were like, we have to talk to Matt. Um, you know, we were talking about Carey Price and, you know, the possibility of trying to bring in other goalies, bringing in Caden Primo and you, I know you, cause we've talked, you have some numbers on his decline over the last few years. So if you want to maybe explain the trends and numbers that you saw maybe and, just so that, because I know Habs fans find it hard to believe that Price, his play is declining, but you have evidence to say that it 100% is. Yeah, I'll, uh, I definitely want to set this up and explain it so it's not just like <laughs> me making numbers up or anything like that. No, nah, man, the floor is yours. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, no, uh, I mean, if you, if you look at like goals against average or save percentage, you know, the commonly used stats that are out there, there's a legitimate argument that you can make that the defense that's surrounded price has been a problem and have been for the, for the past couple of seasons, but there's something else that actually takes that into consideration and it's called uh, goals saved above expectation abbreviated G S a X. And basically what it does is calculates the number of expected goals against, which is long story short, every shot, has a different probability of going in. I mean, I think most hockey fans would agree that if you deflect a shot in the, in the low slot area, it's got a much higher chance of going in the net than just wildly shooting from the blue line. And people actually have managed to use the data that's provided by the league that's almost like uh, GPS data, like where shots are taken and, and the game situation and stuff like that, and assign a value to every shot saying this has a 50% chance of going in or this has a 2% chance of going in. Um, so... Once you have that information, you know the chance of every shot going in. What goal saved above expectation to, or goal saved above expected does is you subtract the predicted number of goals that your goaltender should give up from the actual number of goals that they do give up. And that's where uh, once you take that into consideration, things get 
a little more uh, gloomy in the past few years for Carey Price. Okay, yeah. Yeah, because we talked on this podcast and me and you talked privately too about the correlation between, you know, Montreal has not had a steady blue line, to say the least, the last few years. But, you know, looking past that and thinking maybe it, there is more going on here, it's not just the blue line. So that's really interesting to see. And how does Price stack up compared to other goalies, do you know? Or? Yeah, I mean, if we look at his career, he had a phenomenal, based on this metric alone, 2013 and 2014, he was saving 24 and 38 more goals than were expected. I mean, he was playing over the course of the season. He was playing phenomenally. Um, but then really ever since he strained the ligament in his right knee in 2015, when he came back in 2016, things have just kind of been slowly declining. He was negative 25 in, in 2017, bounced back above average in 2018. And this year he's down about 11 goals more than what you would expect him to give up. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's definitely – it's not like a sharp decline. He bounced back a little bit last year, but this year he's um, it, it hasn't been a great year for him. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, it's kind of obvious to see when you do watch the games, but obviously fans, especially Habs fans, have issues. You know, he has carried our team for so long. And like you said, the stats show how he just absolutely carried our team those earlier years too. I'm just wondering, like, just not numbers, just purely your opinion. Is Price still an elite goalie, would you say? Or where where is he now? You know, it's really tough because the more information you get about goaltenders, the more you realize that there really aren't any elite goaltenders anymore. Like, and, and only because when I say anymore, it's because the data we have only goes back to about 2007. Um, and it's hard to go back and try to figure things out like back in like Hoshik and Waugh and those, those guys. But in the modern era, Lundqvist is the only goaltender that has been consistently off the charts uh, with this metric and a, a few other ones. I, after, after that, I mean, it gets really messy. I mean, Rask has had good years and bad years. I mean, Price has had good years and bad years. I, so I guess like, not to dodge the question or anything, but for me, it's like Lundqvist is the best modern goaltender and he's in decline right now too. Don't get me wrong, but like he's probably the last of, of a generation. Like, I don't know if anyone right now um, you can necessarily call elite and we'll see about Hellebuck. I mean, he's having an amazing year this year, but next year he could just fall off the cliff. Cause I feel like that's what goaltenders do. They have really good years and they have really bad years. And it's just, it's really difficult to predict, um, if they're in a decline or not, it wouldn't surprise me if Christ, uh, Price doesn't bounce back next year because it's, uh, I mean, they say like goaltenders are voodoo and I, I am believing that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I am, even a few seasons ago, Rask had a bit, I think it was two or three seasons ago, Rask had a bit of a decline and people were talking about his decline and look, he bounced back, you know, had an absolutely phenomenal last two seasons. So we could see something like that with Price and, we certainly hope so. I know, um, you know, as a Habs fan watching Price dominate through all those years, I don't want to replace Price and I don't want to have to think about that. But we have a bright future for this team and Caden Primo looks to be part of it. So it's really interesting to see that the stats to just say, look, like 
prices end might not be coming now, but it is coming. So it's, you know, a good way to know and look towards the future. And I think more NHL teams that we're seeing more and more, and you can probably comment on this are using advanced analytics and taking them more seriously. Absolutely. Uh, and, and just to touch on the, the, uh, the, the goaltender thing in general is that it's the dollar amount, right? I mean, I'm a, I'm a value guy. I'm always looking for the best values, the best deals and stuff like that. I think that prices performance is fine. It's just, uh, you know, when you, when you take into consideration the amount of money he's making, I think mm-hmm. that's what, that's what makes it a lot harder to swallow. Oh yeah, for sure. I don't, I think you mentioned Henrik Lundqvist, sorry. Um, I think he's a perfect example of that too. I think he makes somewhere in the range of $7 million. Don't quote me on that. But that was when he signed that, I think that was probably the biggest contract for a goalie. Like I just, I think it shows that your goalie can't be, your highest paid player in the NHL if you want to win a cup. Yeah, he's making seven flat right now. Yeah, that, that's that's insane. And Lundqvist, you know, Matt mentioned, clearly in his eyes, the only real elite goalie of the modern era and still couldn't get it done with a goalie making seven million a year. I mean, look at Columbus. Uh, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I know they just re-signed uh, their two, uh, their tandem goaltenders who have both been really good. And I think they're both making like three mil a piece or something like that. So you're getting two goalies for the price of one, essentially. Yeah, exactly. And we've seen that kind of trend over the NHL the past few seasons. We saw it, I think, mainly in Halak and Tuka. They just they seem to really dominate in Boston. But we're kind of seeing a switch where the tandem goalie is becoming a thing. And I'm just wondering just off the top of your head, have you seen any numbers that suggest this is more, I want to say more efficient maybe for NHL teams and maybe that's why they're doing this? Yeah, I, I definitely think going back to that whole goaltenders or voodoo thing that I think front offices and, and yeah, I mean, a lot of teams do have either contracted analytics people or in-house analytics teams. And I'm sure that's a recommendation that they're making is that, you know, if you have an injury, to, to a goaltender you want to have a competent backup if uh you know if you're dedicating uh you know a lot of cap into one player and uh you know there's a lot of things that can go wrong with that and i think that yeah the tandem the the workload management you know back-to-backs are are a big deal um you know there's a lot of good reasons to have a good backup goaltender and, and i think the, the the previous model of you pay your starter and then you like groom your ahl goaltender and then bring them up and and whatnot those days, you know, for some teams, that's, that's a necessity. But I think that for other teams, you know, riding a tandem uh, and, and doing more of like a 1A, 1B is just more cost effective and uh, protects you against injuries. I think it would, uh, it would elongate your, you know, your old school starter, you know. Um, like in this era now, it's like if, say, Primo comes up, this could elongate carry Price's career you know granted he might not start as many games but you know it'll give him rest it'll give him a lot longer I feel of a chance to play you know maybe not be so banged up yeah no that's absolutely true and uh what what is his contract status shit I think we just talked about it Mason right uh sorry I got a little bit of a brief cut there so I did not hear the name uh, Kerry Price, what's his contract at right now? 
Um, I believe ten point five million. Okay, so I mean, I personally feel like like we're about to see a really good time as far as like the management of like how money is spent on players. I feel like the teams that move to the uh, the tandem are going to spend the equal amount probably on each goalie, hopefully. Like, you know, one will be paid a little bit more. But, like, I feel like if we're looking at, like, Henry Henry Lundqvist is $7 million, I feel like we can almost start seeing tandems paying about that much money but on both of the goalies instead of just one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. And, and just in terms of salary, it'll be really interesting to see because obviously we're going through this COVID-19 pandemic how the salary cap is affected by um, just the loss in not only TV revenue, but, you know, arenas, um, like jersey sales, everything's down. So it'll be really, really interesting to see how teams deal with that. Obviously, a lot of teams were kind of signing players with the expectation that the salary cap was going to go up. So I almost wonder if just as a byproduct, you see teams with those tandem goalies on, you know, not – as hefty contracts do and fare a little bit better coming out of this purely just because of the luck of this kind of falling down and affecting teams like Montreal with a goalie with a huge contract, just a little bit harder. Yeah. I think a lot of teams banked on the, the TV deal and the salary cap going up over the next two, three years. And uh, anybody that got signed this past off season, you know, that, it's good for them, but it might not be so good for the team in uh, two or three seasons. Right. I mean, you also uh, like we got to think about how how big of a hit this is going to be. You know, with with the the cutback of of what's going on right now, you got the NHL NBC uh, contract ends next year. Yep. So they, I mean, you got to think they they lost a good bit of money these last three months. That you know, I, I feel like they they're still getting paid, but it's they're not making as much money from it. You know. This is the only time where I can watch hockey on a local channel, you know, <laughs> right now. I don't, I don't have to look for the games. Um, and this is big, you know, like it reaches a, a vast audience that, you know, every, every sport's being affected. But for us personally, next, you know, next season, you know, who knows what – do we go back to ESPN? Do we go back to NBC? I think this is just of, – of, of all moments, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah this, this virus happens it's it's when hockey's biggest chance to really market itself for a bigger audience and we're kind of falling short yeah it's terrible timing for for the teams that's for sure you can almost make the argument though that hockey might fare a little bit better when sports do come back if espn does end up you know picking up the deal people are going to be so sport deprived that they're going to watch anything and yeah. if hockey's on ESPN, it's going to be broadcasted to a lot wider audience of people. I agree. I like that they're playing the uh, some some old classic games. They're throwing like kind of new era classics, but then they're throwing some really old school stuff in there too. I think that's neat. Yeah, for sure. And just to kind of bring it back around, because you got a little bit off topic <laughs> there, but nothing wrong with that. Um, so we were, Matt, you and I were talking earlier and you sent me some charts on Montreal's forwards and like, it was like the actual composed to expected stats. And honestly, my brain has a tough time 
reading it, but one of the players that really jumped off the page for me, maybe you can explain this a little more, was Ilya Kovalchuk and his expected versus actual defense. And his expected defense was rated 95 and his actual was 99. And that just like leapt off the page for me. Is he, I never really envisioned Ilya Kovalchuk as being an analytical monster, but unless I'm reading this wrong, it, it appears he does very well on the defensive side of the puck. No, you're absolutely right. And uh, this is, it's a little complicated um, how I put this together. Um, not so much on my end, but the data that I got from Evolving Hockey is based on um, a different metric, uh, goals above replacement, which essentially is how many more goals you contribute to uh, your team when you're on the ice, more or less than a replacement level player. So somebody you can just call it from the AHL or, or sign uh like a league minimum deal with. And yeah, basically what I did was took that data and created these rate charts that look at per, so basically like normalizing it uh, per 60 minutes. So if everyone played 60 minutes, if everyone played the same amount of ice time, how did they produce in that time that they had? And that's, yeah, Kovalchuk, his defensive contribution, as well as, you know, not just what it actually was, but, what it would be predicted to be based on the things he did when he was on the ice was near the top of the league. Um, like you said, it was rated 95 out of a hundred. So he was when, when, and now this is only when he was on Montreal, this doesn't include the time he was on other teams. So I know that uh, he wasn't there, you know, the entire season or anything like that, but just based on the amount of time he was there, he was a, a very good defender. Yeah, definitely. Like it was, eye-popping I remember I first saw it on Twitter I think it was Twitter you posted it yeah or that's right where, wherever I first saw it yeah I just my I was like whoa that's that's incredible and I'm just wondering for you personally are there any other forwards that kind of when you figured all this out the data kind of popped off the page and you went whoa I didn't really expect that uh you know there's a couple players that I don't think you think of uh, Jared Spurgeon in Minnesota was one that, that was very, very good. And I don't think he gets a lot of, uh, a lot of credit. Oliver Bjorkstrand on Columbus is a really good two-way player that I don't know if anyone's ever heard of. And uh, Jake Gunsel in Pittsburgh is, I think, I think he ended up being the best forward in the, in the league in terms of uh, the amount of time that, uh, that he played. So those are probably the three that, that really stood out to me. Yeah, for sure. And it, Jake Gensel at number one, that's – I don't think anyone could have predicted – would have predicted that either. That's obviously a very skilled forward. But it's interesting to see how when you take all the stats together, like what they really tell you and what's really going on out there. Yeah, I mean, I know for the, the Habs in particular um... – some of the other players on offense, uh, you know, Gallagher and, and Ty, uh, not Ty Domi. Wow. Ty Domi. Sorry. That's, that's a, Sorry. I've been watching too many classics apparently. <laughs> um, Max Domi and uh, Dano uh, did a lot of offensive heavy lifting. The, the person that surprised me was Tomas Tatar because uh, he was even better this year than he was last year offensively. And uh, defensively uh, Suzuki was, was really good and those were the two players 
that were uh, that were brought back from the Pacioretty trade with Suzuki yep. and Tatar, and and one of them was good offensively, one of them was good defensively. Yeah, definitely. Um, Nick Suzuki to being a rookie. Um, I'm kind of putting you on the spot here because I don't know if you've looked at this at all. Um, a lot of rookies, especially coming in playing center, do suffer with you know defense, winning draws and stuff. Just wondering, do you have any idea how? Nick Suzuki stacks up defensively compared to some of the other big rookies in the NHL. You know, I, I don't have it handy, but uh, I know that he's, I don't know compared to other rookies, but in terms of compared to other uh, players, uh, you know, he's, he's definitely above average. I would say, you know, he's, he's a solid defensive player and that uh, one of the best ones on the Habs, um, but also really good compared to the rest of the league. Yeah, and it's sorry for throwing you on the spot there. Obviously, he ha- he handled it well. I loved it. It was the best answer. Yeah. He literally <laughs> just, you know, continued saying that Nick Suzuki's a really great rookie and has a chance to have a very promising career. Like he did, he did great. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me, me and Corey, we just Suzuki's our future. He's our hope. I love Kakeniemi, but we're all in on this guy. We think he is going to lead our team. No, I love him. Um, I love him. I, I, I felt like Pacioretty needed to be moved. And I feel like of all the trades, that, that was the most uh, – how do you say it? it? It was the best trade for trade type of deal. We got two key members back, and we gave them Pacioretty, who really rejuvenated his career with Vegas. So good for him. You know, but – I'm just happy that, you know, we got something back. We got a future, and we got a very current offensive-minded player. Yeah, yeah it, it was a pretty fair trade, yeah. Um, You talked about, yeah, Corey, you said Patrick had a big offensive kind of resurgence this year. And have you, if you've done anything for Vegas, Matt, would you know if his – just overall his numbers have kind of improved since moving on from Montreal. You know, they, they look pretty good. Uh, he's definitely a leader uh, offensively and, you know, he's not bad defensively either. Uh, I'm not sure how it compares to previous seasons on Montreal, but he, uh, he had a pretty good year this year in Vegas. Yeah. That team, I'm, I'm going to guess that team as a whole probably does pretty well on all of your charts and numbers and stuff. They're very, very talented. Yeah. I mean, their depth is a little bit sketchy. Um, they have a, a few players, uh, especially on the third and fourth lines there that could be improved, but yeah, they, uh, they definitely far exceed expectations all the time, e- even their first season and look at them going to the Stanley cup final. That's just <laughs> yeah. insane. Yeah. Uh, I had, I had Patrick in fantasy and he's playing like, like watching like 2015, 16 era Pacioretty, and it's well, 14, 15, somewhere around there. He's just looking really good on that team, and I don't know. Uh, it, it sucked to see him go in a sense of like he was so good when we had him, when we actually – before Bergevin like made all these moves, but it was definitely time for him to move, and I'm just glad he's doing good over there. But I'm just so excited that – Tatar and Suzuki ended up working out well for us. Yeah, for sure. And 
you know, speaking of fantasy, just to kind of go off topic a little bit, would not want to play Matt in that. I, I don't know. I feel <laughs> I feel like you might pull out your charts and just absolutely rinse me. We, if we you don't play. want to play against him, but I'm sure like Matt can set up some type of like like PayPal arrangement where he can just like break you off. Like he's like the insider. <laughs> you know, like I'm sure we can make Matt some some good money, you know, like you know, I did fantasy hockey one season and uh, I've done I've done football for like the last eight or nine, mm-hmm. but I've only done fantasy football or fantasy hockey one season. But basketball, I did fantasy basketball three years in a row, and I won my league all three years. I know nothing about basketball. <laughs> I literally like every day went and just like, well, yeah, I have way too much time on my hands. But for three years, I was <laughs> every day get up, check the schedule, see who had the easiest matchup. I was checking like rebound rates to know who to pick up that day and put right. in and stuff like that. And yeah, I won my championship two, uh, three years in a row. Uh, I never won fantasy football. I feel like I know more po- about football than any sport and I could never win it. And I, so I guess that's like, you know, it's better to know less and just like rely on the numbers than it is to try to outsmart yourself. Cause I made so many boneheaded trades in fantasy football over the years. Like I remember one year I traded Julio thinking like, Oh, he's going to get hurt. And then he ended up like blowing up and not getting hurt that year. It's, oh, like, no. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like that, uh, everybody would pick Matt Ryan. And then the yeah. one year you're like, you know what? I'm just not going Matt Ryan. You know, they had like an unbelievable year, go to the Super Bowl and fuck up, you know, but like yeah. just going into that, you know, like my dad had Matt Ryan for years, you know, was just a solid, solid play. And he was just like, I'm not, I'm not going with him. You know, I, I don't see them doing anything hot and they just have a great year. I'm like that too. Like I could never win and fantasy football, but I was like, I want to try fantasy hockey just because it gives me a chance to play and play on, you know, with my team every day, just about, and I got hooked and, you know, I think I'm on like my fifth year plan, but if this shit didn't happen, I was, I was heading into the playoffs, number one seed. I was about to take it probably for the third year in a row. And I was excited, you know? (laughs) Oh my God. That's awesome. I'm online sports are, you know, interesting. It's cool to see how prominent, um, just the world of analytics is becoming in sports. And it's, I think it's funny that you mentioned basketball and winning with next to no basketball knowledge. I think that's fucking hilarious. But um, yeah. I feel like it's not surprising because – sorry to cut you off there. I just – when we after our talk, we um, – I uh, – sorry, I went home and I uh, was just looking into some analytics and stuff. And I actually found that that, that basketball is the most true to the numbers sport in like the four major ones and hockey is the least true to the numbers. So I find it really interesting (laughs) that just because you knew the numbers, knew the stats, you were able to win. But like you said, when it comes to hockey, there's just stuff like goalie voodoo that you just can't explain. Yeah. And it's also just, it's too easy to get biased and, and you know, yeah, you're right. I was, I'm notorious at this with football, especially where it's like, (laughs) I'll just look at a player and be like, that guy's a good player. And it's like, I know he's going to have a good year. And I feel like that's what I do in hockey is just mm-hmm. basketball. I'm like, I don't know who this guy is. Like, I have no loyalty to any of these players. So I'm just going to take whoever makes the most sense and just plug them in the lineup. Fair enough. Yeah, dude, that, that's, that's the key to winning. Like, it really is because, I mean, I, I, mean but, I do it in fantasy every year. And I'm like, oh, you know, like, got to have somebody from this team. They're just going to be great. Yeah. You know, I don't really – I don't like the, the, 
you know, let's just say the Ducks. Like, I, I don't see them having a great year. Everybody on that team is really low caliber for me as far as a pickup, you know? Yeah. But, you know, instead of, you know, I'm sure there's like a couple of guys on that team that, that had a great season fantasy-wise, but because I was just like, nah, I don't really mess with that team, so I didn't even give them, you know, any of their key players a chance. <laughs> like Ricard Raquel, you know? Like. <laughs> Hey guys, Mason here. Just taking this brief pause to let you know that as always, this episode is sponsored by Manscaped. And you can use our promo code THPN to get 20% off all your essential manscaping needs. Thanks for listening, and now we'll get back to the talk. Yeah, I kind of miss fantasy. I miss all sports at this point. I don't care. Yeah, you and me both. Well, speaking of that, um, we're probably going to wrap things up shortly here because I know, Matt, you have, to, you have to go, and we do appreciate your time. But I do have a question for you because I'm just personally curious on the answer. You, do, you look at all the numbers for a bunch of teams. Like you said, you, you like watching the NHL. i got to know, who are you rooting for to win the Cup? Who's your uh, team? <laughs> I, I mean, this is a tough question because I'm a Caps fan. But uh, I'm a hockey fan first, I would say. Uh, I just respect the game. And uh, on any level, like college, AHL, ECHL, I don't care. Like, I just like hockey as a, as a sport. So, but yeah, I guess if, if I'm pulling for anybody, it's the Caps. But, you know, we just won a couple years ago. So it's also like, I kind of want to share the love and like have a team that hasn't, well, I want to pay it forward, have a team that hasn't won in a long time or ever. I'd like to see somebody new win the Cup this year. I understand what you're saying, but, like, I was really excited. I, like, just seeing what the Caps were doing, I think Samsonov has just – has been lights out. Um, that team is just hot right now. Well, you know, they're, everybody's cooled off, but, like, they were looking like contenders once again, and I was ecstatic. Uh, I mean, I'd be careful saying that in front of Hockey Troll, though. Share the love. I, I don't think he knows what that means. I'd be, I'd be careful. <laughs> yeah, no, I know that. But, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't want to see the same teams in it every year. Like, if it's like a, a, I don't know, Penguins and I don't even know who's out. Like, Chicago's not even around. L.A. All the, if it was like, the, for some reason, if they expanded the playoffs to like 30 teams or whatever, like some of these crazy ideas. And, like, Chicago somehow ended up going to the finals against – Pittsburgh like I don't even know if I that would be that. boring to me yeah I don't know yeah, yeah it'd be terrible I, I am I am on your side about that like I and I think I really solidified getting over it when it was just like I mean this last decade was literally the Kings Chicago um the Penguins you know so it was just like you literally saw the same teams go into the playoffs and then exit the playoffs you know was mainly those what three teams so Starting with you guys, uh, what was that, 2018? Yep. So, 18, I was like, dude, this is so sick. It's a brand new – it's a brand new finals. You know, I'm excited. Following you, same thing. You know, like, even though Boston has been around, but it was just such a great – they had rebuilt our team so well. Um, I just kind of look forward to – if we can't have two brand new teams in it, in it, I'd rather have one dominant team from – that's kind of in there normally – and then one new team that's just absolutely having a breakout season, you know? Yeah, 
Definitely. Yeah, and like you said, when I think using an example of the NFL, when a team just keeps coming back to the finals over and over and over again. By the way, I'm a Dolphins fan, so I'm a little biased. Come on. It just it gets boring. Yeah, it's absolutely boring. And, you know, um, I'm kind of happy that we're not following that trend right right now. You know, Penguins were the last to really show themselves too much. But I'm happy that these last, what, you know, two, almost three if we finish it off, that there's a chance to for it to be different. Like last year's playoffs, that first round, everybody was upset. You know, everybody – a lot of people lost out, but like me personally, my team wasn't in it. So I'm looking at it as this is one of the best playoff second rounds because there's teams that shouldn't have gotten here, teams that have blown out teams that we've seen many a times over this previous decade. This is a this is a brand new start. You know, this is a brand new um playoffs for us. And it just made the, the watching the game that much funner. And this year yeah. in particular, when they do end up coming back, That's even right. if they have like a couple weeks of to finish off the regular season, this is going to be chaos. Absolutely. Okay, so I have a question for you. Do you feel like if they have to – I wouldn't say rush it, but if they couldn't go seven-game series, do they drop it to three or five? You know, I feel like no matter what they do – they're kind of damned if they do, damned if they don't. Because if uh, if they bring everybody wants a cup to come, you know, everybody wants a cup, everybody wants the playoffs to come back, myself mm-hmm. included. But no matter what they end up doing, I feel like there's going to be an asterisk next to this, you know, the Stanley Cup winning team yeah. this year. And yeah. that may not be fair, but it, it's going to be that's that's how it's going to be perceived by people. But uh, I don't know, man. Like I would almost, I would almost preference the playoffs over finishing the regular season. Just reseed by. Uh, point percentage and just go right into the playoffs. It takes like two and a half months and uh, you, you know, or you could even expedite and do it in like two months. But yeah, I don't know. Like five would probably be the lowest I'd go. It'd be so strange to have a best of three, but the thing about hockey that separates us from like March madness is the seven game series. Like that's, it's so awesome Mm -hmm. to see like the storylines develop in a seven game series that other sports just don't seem to have that, uh, that same kind of narrative. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, I mean, personally, I'm not at, like – I've heard the, the three go around. I think that's just a little too short. I think five is, is your right. Five is, I think, the least I would allow it to go. Just, you know, I don't think that you can really get the best of both teams in three games. Right. What you said about the storyline, too, though um, – just, I think you make a good point. I think hockey in a five-game playoff series would be awful because you talk about storylines and teams, you know, they battle it out for seven games. Like, they legitimately start to hate each other. If I'm – if at any point this year I'm getting an Edmonton-Calgary season, series and it's not seven games, I will absolutely lose my shit because <laughs> I need seven games of that after this. Yeah, I, there's some really awesome uh, series that could come out of this, some really good divisional matchups. But I just I think all bets are off. I don't even know how you handicap this because there's no momentum. There's no, like, uh, it, you know, a lot of the, the, the best metrics 
to predict Stanley Cup uh, winning teams, or at least like who's going to win that round, is based on 25 or 20 game samples leading up to it. So if they go right into a playoff and you don't even have that, I don't even know how Vegas is going to be handicapped in some of these series because it's a total crapshoot. Oh, it, it, it's literally like a, like a round robin type of situation. It's you're coming out of just basically like, it's like a summer league type thing, you know, yeah. there's no real, you didn't play before this. You're just basically picking your stick up and it's like, all right, let's just enter a, a quick tournament that just happens to be for the Stanley cup. Like, yeah. Oh, uh, it's going to be interesting. <laughs> it'll, it'll definitely be interesting to see what happens and what plays out. Um, Like Matt said, it's going to be really tough for, not only Vegas, but just analysts as a whole to predict and uh, like try and come out with a solution as to what's going to happen. I think it's going to be the weirdest playoffs maybe ever just because the players aren't, they're all going to be cold. It's not going to be great hockey to start if and when hockey does start back up. But um, when that happens, we might have to get Matt back on and, you know, record a piece, see how things go on, maybe play through some playoff numbers if we can. It's been a fucking pleasure having you on. Like you bring a voice and a side of things that me and Corey can't. So we really appreciate you coming on. Hopefully we can have you back on again soon. I would love to do that. I thank you very much for having me on. I thought uh, it was great. I hope that I didn't bore your listeners to death and, and yeah. hopefully they're still listening. Oh, yeah, I mean, sure. I hope, I hope they are like you bring nothing but great uh, content to this not just this podcast, your podcast, any podcast that you're on, um, you give a key eye as to the future of this game when it comes to analytics. And you're helping the common man, a New Orleans, I, I, I don't know, uh, a New Orleanian to understand <laughs> analytics. So, you know, you're doing, you're doing great, bud. I appreciate that. <laughs> Yeah, and anyways, I think we're probably going to let you go here. We know that you do have some stuff you have to handle. We appreciate you taking the time. Um, if you guys liked Matt's opinion, which you should because this guy, his podcast is awesome. Trust me, I, I listen to it. It's pretty good. It's the Ice Analytic Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I believe the Twitter handle is the same. Correct me if I'm wrong, Matt. That's right, at Ice Analytics. Perfect. Yeah, so follow him on Twitter. Um, I promise you it's a great listen. We really appreciate you coming out once again. Um, that's going to be it for today. As always, thank you guys for stopping by. And this has been Habs Nightly. Nightly.